0: Everybody and welcome back to another edition of the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast presented by Dream Cricket. I'm your host, Peter Delapena. And on today's episode, we have part two of the interview with USA Women's fast bowling all rounder Tara Norris. Part one Tara talked about her experiences growing up in the Sussex development system, where she's gone on to play for Loughborough Lightning, Southern Vipers, Southern Brave. But in this episode, we'll be focusing mainly on her experiences with the USA Women's team, where she made her debut in Mexico last month at the ICC America's Women's T20 World Cup Qualifier, and now she's on the eve of making her ODI debut for the USA women in the 50-over World Cup Qualifier in Zimbabwe, where USA will start the tournament taking on Bangladesh before continuing in the group stage against Pakistan, Thailand, and the host Zimbabwe. But before we get to part two of the interview with Tar Norris, I want to give a special shout out to the newest Patreon. Arjunan Atirvira Singham, former USA Cricket Association board member in the Usaka era, who represented the Western Zone on the Usaka board. He was based out of Los Angeles at the time, now living in Sri Lanka. And I've seen him travel internationally to support the USA men's team. He's a huge supporter of USA cricket overall, including the women. And I know Arjunan is very excited to follow the fortunes of the women's team, including Tara North as they embark on their ODI World Cup qualifier in Zimbabwe. I appreciate Arjunon's support and I appreciate everybody else's support who has joined on Patreon. For those who haven't already done so, you can start off for as little as $3 to support the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast gets produced. I also want to thank our main sponsors for the podcast Dream Cricket and Musa Cricket Stadium, the first and original turf wicket facility in the state of Texas. For more information, call 713 Three five three four two one nine five at Cricket Stadium in Pearland, Texas. Now, Charlotte Edwards, coach of the Vipers, coach with the Brave, England legend, international legend, and again, somebody who you said you were exposed to fairly early on, growing up on the pathway. From seeing her as somebody on TV winning World Cups, doing amazing things as a player, to now having her as a coach, what has that experience been like for you? It's
1: been amazing she she's a fantastic mentor um a brilliant coach and I don't know what, what it is but she has just got this winning culture about her which is just infectious yeah she's brilliant to work with honestly I've got to pinch myself whenever I'm at training and she's just down there chatting to me what she's achieved in her career you know she's a pioneer for women's cricket but most importantly she's such great fun she is just hilarious and very people first which you know is a massive thing not every coach is like that she's very understanding very caring and just a lot of fun. So yeah, to be able to work with her every day is brilliant. Um, And her experience and knowledge obviously is, is just next to next, next level. And she's got some great stories about, you know, her touring life. Yeah. So honestly playing, playing under her is, is such a privilege.
0: I know you've talked in a few other places about how you were contacted to play for USA. Julia Price essentially reached out to you during the summer towards the end of the summer and called you up and said, Hey, do you have your U.S. passport handy or do you need to renew yeah. it? And are you interested? But one of the things that some people may or may not be aware of, I think some people in the U.S. cricket said it may be aware of. Charlotte Edwards has actually been to the U.S. quite a few times to do has, yeah. some work with a touring MCC squad. She came to Philadelphia. Your Philadelphia roots. She there came to, She came to play at Marion Cricket Club as part of an MCC tour. The women actually got treated a hell of a lot better than the men did on that MCC tour. There was There were dual tours. And the men, oh, what's... the men played in New York City at this ground, Baisley Cage, and true story, on the Saturday night. So they played a, a Saturday and a Sunday. MCC played in New York, and then they were going to Indianapolis to play against a USA national squad in Indianapolis as well. But while they were in New York, they played the Saturday night game at Baisley Pond. The women, the MCC women, were playing against USA squad in Philadelphia. The day before, I think at Germantown on the Saturday and Sunday, they were going to play at Marion. And Marion, for people who don't know, is this very grand facility in a very posh area of Philadelphia. And it's basically white glove service at the pavilion. It's okay. this very old, kind of very English style pavilion. And Marion Cricket Club is right across the street from Marion Golf Club, which is actually hosted, I believe, the US Open Golf uh, Championship, one of the four majors. Oh, okay. It's a big deal. And so the women are being treated to this incredible experience playing at Marion Cricket Club. And and so you have this gorgeous, perfectly maintained outfield at Marion Cricket Club, which for most of the summer is used for lawn tennis for the members. But they set up a mat for the women to play the cricket on. And then they had this uh, luncheon inside, which was, again, white glove service. And that's what the women got. The men in New York City, Saturday night at Baisley, which is kind of on, on the border of Queens and Brooklyn, um overnight there was i think a drug deal that went bad and somebody was murdered outside outside Baisley cricket ground so sunday when they came back to play the next day there was police tape everywhere just on the border of the cricket ground where they were playing was that
1: the boundary right
0: that was the boundary essentially yeah and uh the men when i got to indianapolis so the next day i was in philadelphia when this was happening and when i got to indianapolis to rejoin the mcc men's tour they said oh, my God, you know, we're so grateful to be in Indianapolis. You wouldn't believe what happened in New York City.
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh, that's crazy.
0: Uh, but, yeah, so anyway, Charlotte Edwards was not exposed to, to that horror experience. She's come to the U.S. She's played with the MCC tour. She, she came with Claire Taylor and there were a bunch of other players, illustrious yeah. players, just after her in England retirement. So she played in the U.S.A. in that. And then I think a year later, a year or two later, she came to Houston. And did another week of development coaching and working with the USA national team, doing some skills coaching and other work with the USA players. So she was aware of obviously what the US setup is like a little bit. How much communication did you have with Charlotte Edwards about what to expect? And how much, if anything, from whatever discussion you may have had with her, influenced your decision to pursue? The USA opportunity after Julie Price had, had given you that initial phone call.
1: Yes obviously Price got in touch with Lottie actually and said you know who's this Tyrone Norris um can you get to call me so I kind of said to Lottie, I said oh like what do you reckon is this is this a good idea you know how does it work kind of thing and she said look like as long as it doesn't affect your England eligibility you know go for it what a great opportunity so well that was amazing um both her and our uh, regional director Adam Carty were really supportive really encouraging me to go and and luckily you know they're fine with being out here at regular contacts and things like that but um essentially yeah her you know opinion matters to me so much so I said look you know should I go for it and she said absolutely go for it um so that was kind of the green light that I needed really obviously um I don't want to start in the winter of coaching sorry being coached by her um but essentially yeah, our our October is our month off so really, I thought, you know what? Yeah, let's do it. Let's get out there. If I can get my passport, amazing. Let's see Let's see if I can actually get out there. And after, even after that phone call, I wasn't really convinced that I would be here. I'd, I'd be coming out until I was sat on that flight, really, <laughs> at Heathrow Airport. So yeah, that meant a lot, definitely, to get her support and Adam parties as well.
0: But did she tell you anything about how the U.S. setup was in terms of women's cricket and in that context, the amount of responsibility you would have to contribute based on what is essentially an amateur setup still in the yeah. USA for women.
1: Yeah, I don't think we spoke about it much. I think she just said, look, this would be a great opportunity for you. Go out there, it's, it's a good chance to get some, some more practice under your belt and to play outdoor as well. And essentially I'd be, I'd wanted to go to Australia for winter. It was a very similar setup basically. But I think she, she let me um, figure it out for myself and I don't think she wanted to kind of ruin anything or, or spoil anything, but you just had to look, go out there, have a good time. They're a really nice bunch of girls. Um, it's good fun. You'll you absolutely love it. Um, and even now, she just tells me to just make sure I come out with lots of stories and and fill her in, basically.
0: You said it didn't really hit you until you got on the flight on the way to San Francisco. So let me ask you this: both now and in previous interviews, you made it clear England is where your ambitions lie. You want that's that's the end goal. That's this would be the highest form of cricket you could possibly play is playing for England And coming to the US is a different opportunity. So, in, in terms of trying to balance your England ambitions and people knowing that that is the goal, and there's nothing wrong with that, but then going into a different international setup where it's not your dream or your number one target, but you're still trying to achieve something and trying to contribute. What was it like coming into the setup and being around the girls, having the kind of competing goals and ambitions entering the US setup?
1: Yeah, um, first of all, yeah, meeting with the girls was, was brilliant. I guess the, the different, well, nothing really changed for me. I, I still felt like I had to prove myself. I think that's the case with any team, any te- new team you walk into. Obviously, I, I didn't know anyone. For me, yeah, I wanted to prove myself and, and show that I'd learned to spot the team. The last thing I wanted to do was take someone spot who obviously um, had been involved in the Nationals, or a, a, young, a young girl who obviously had aspirations. So for me, I wanted to make sure that I, I did a good job. And I don't know, I about the team in terms so obviously it was is very different to what I've played. It's you know coming from the hundred playing against the likes of ridiculous internationals it, it was different, but it was a different challenge, and it's an opportunity for me to to prove myself as a player and and come against different challenges and play against different players, different conditions, which again is only going to develop my cricket and exposing yourself in in new challenges is is always good you know it's easy to play it safe, but for me, this was you know a completely new experience. I'm still learning from them. Hopefully I'm, I'm teaching them a few things as well. And, and it's a two way kind of thing, but yeah, for me, there was, the expectation really was to, to not drop any standards and, you know, to work my butt off and and earn myself a place in that squad.
0: How did the experience during it and after it concluded change your opinions, if any opinion you had beforehand of what cricket with the USA national team would be about?
1: Yeah. Going in, I, I made sure I didn't have an expectation or, expectations of the standard. I wanted to walk into it completely kind of open-minded. And so it was like once I got there. And yeah, the first tour was brilliant. I absolutely loved it. And the the talent in the squad is just ridiculous. There's 16 year old girls hit a ball like I've never seen it. So it's a really exciting group to be involved with and I'm, you know, really excited to be in the squad as well. Um, and watch the team grow and and hopefully be a part of some really cool tournaments to come up. Um, in terms of sort of England stuff, you know, I have no idea which journey I'm going to be involved in, or where my cricket's going to take me individually. But you know, right now, my my goal is to do what you know my job for USA right now. And then when I go back to the UK, it'll be the same to the Vipers and kind of so forth. But yeah, for now, it's 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 USA, and I'm I'm trying to do the best job I can. Really,
0: a couple of things I want to touch on there. One about the standard. Of play and to some of the references you made to the teenagers and the quality of your teammates. For people who aren't unaware, when you were part of the England Academy team or England developmental squad, you were exposed to associate cricket then. So, this technically was not your first experience in associate cricket. In 2014, you actually played in a tournament, the Europe qualifier, where an England developmental squad was put in there against the likes of Netherlands, Ireland, et cetera. So, you had a little bit of a sense of what associate yeah. cricket was about how if you can remember seven years ago back to that experience compared to this experience in Mexico how have the standards of associate cricket changed in your eyes if you can compare the two experiences
1: yeah playing I think we played in the like you said I remember the age I was yeah probably 16 at the time or so thinking yeah this is it was like playing West County cricket really and uh, not think anything different and obviously kind of yeah as as you get older and play different players and the likes of Gabby Lewis and I know the, the 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 Bryce sisters really well. I just I guess sort of from speaking to them and stuff and, and hearing about the stands and the cricket. Yeah again I, I wasn't really sure what the standard would be like or or in terms of the whole setup and, and how it's going to work. But yeah the Mexico was was definitely a completely new experience I've I've been involved with and seen. I think playing against Brazil was honestly one of the best experiences I've ever had just playing against a team with so much energy and the fact that they're fully contracted as well is brilliant. So in terms of that, I think, yeah, it's, any, it's, it's brilliant. And, you know, obviously it's a little bit behind. That's expected when there isn't a lot of funding or a lot of support behind the teams. But the fact that they've got a team out and they're coming to play and they love the game is, is amazing to see. So, you know, with a little bit of funding, a little bit of support and guidance, you know, it's really encouraging to see where, where that country's game could go, especially as it's not their country's first ball. Um, that was probably the main thing that I was just in awe of, really.
0: Have you caught the Allegria fever?
1: The Allegria Fever, yeah, it sits there. It's embedded. I caught a lot out in Mexico, a lot of stomach bugs, but I also got the Allegria, the Allegria bug.
0: Now, you were quite popular, actually, with the Brazilian players. Everybody, I was looking, they wanted your autograph. They wanted selfies with you.
1: <laughs> I don't know why, honestly. I said, you really don't want so to. Was
0: it your tambourine skills? Because you look pretty sharp. It
1: must have been that. It must have been that, yeah. Honestly, um, so the first game I watched, I said, that tambourine is so annoying. Like, can they stop doing that? And then by the last game, I was there. It was in my hand. I couldn't. I couldn't resist.
0: It was quite a unique experience being around the Brazilian players, in particular They just brought so much fantastic energy. That
1: yeah, they were brilliant.
0: Even the the biggest cricket grinch had to have their opinion changed by the end of the tour if they were there.
1: They were brilliant. They had. They were so much fun.
0: When you made your USA debut, of all the people who reached out to you or or you weren't expecting to hear from, or people who might have come out of the woodwork, out of the boo who saw or heard about you playing for USA, and making your international debut. What was the most surprising and the most meaningful message you got, whether it was a WhatsApp or text or phone call, when the call-up happened and when you made your debut?
1: You know, I had a lot of really lovely messages from family, friends, everyone. People saying they'd watch the game. Probably from my parents, my dad. My dad's my biggest fan. Um, he just messaged me the night before. It was the UK time in the morning and just said, look, I'm, I'm so proud of you. I wish I could be there. You know, you've worked really hard for this just go out and enjoy. And absolutely no pressure at all kind of thing. But um, it probably really hit me and I, it was quite emotional kind of when we were doing the national anthem and just thinking, oh my gosh, I've, I've made it. Like I'm here, I'm in Mexico City. I'm about to play my first international game. You know, what on earth is going on? Something which I, I didn't think was going to happen or was even possible of happening. So just kind of that moment after the Caps, you know, it was quite emotional watching the other girls as well. And obviously that was a big part of their journey um so to be involved in that yeah the whole day was was pretty special but definitely that national anthem moment kind of really hit home and obviously yeah i wish my parents and family could have been there but obviously it's very difficult circumstances but yeah that was that was very memorable for sure
0: and just to follow up to that you mentioned the national anthem and the cap ceremony what was that experience like for you again as it's starting to hit you and it's sinking in like oh my god i'm making my international debut and having Julia Price and everybody else part of the team being part of that ceremony, take us through that experience, what was it like? And then I guess leading into the first ball, you were about to bowl in international cricket and then striking on your second ball in international cricket to take your first wicket.
1: Yeah, obviously I hadn't been in that group for that long. I'd probably mixed with them about a week prior. So again, it was like, oh, you know, having, getting your cap, a cap ceremony yeah. really is very emotional and and anyway. really sentimental anyway. Um, obviously you know, I'm in a group who I don't really know that well. I feel like you don't really know your group until you play with them properly. So, yeah, so Uzi gave me my cap, who obviously was probably the closest player that I've got to in this comp. Um, just a really great girl. Um, lots of good fun. So, yeah, that was just the words that she said, especially for not knowing me that long. were very personal and very meaningful, definitely. And, yeah, I remember when the ball, when I was given, actually, I was really ill the first game as well. The whole week, everyone was ill, basically. I remember having the cold sweats, thinking, oh, my gosh, I've got to play a game. <laughs> um and just feeling so ill. But, um. I remember when the ball was given to me, I thought, right, okay, here we go. You know, let's go for it. Let's do it. Let's take the handbrake off and just throw yourself at this, basically. Yeah, I think the first ball was all right, actually. And then, yeah, second ball, pinning on the pads. And I thought, that's definitely out. And that was, yeah, very special. And to have a team celebrate your success when they've only just met you as well is very, very special. You know, these guys didn't really know me. I hadn't really gelled into the team yet, but to see their success and happiness for me for that second ball was, it was, yeah, amazing.
0: There's a new wave of talent coming into the U.S. team. Wasn't there before. Prior to you coming on, you came around right at the right time, Tarv, because
1: <laughs> 10 years
0: ago, the team was experienced, not always in a good way. There, there, were, there were a couple of 50-year-olds in the team. There were quite a number of 40-year-olds in the team. It was an unfit team, an, a poorly conditioned team, unathletic, poor fielding. So many basic standards that just weren't being met that especially on on the associate level, if batting and bowling isn't there, you can understand the skill-wise. But at the very least, as a lot of people got to see on the web stream, Brazil, take the example of Brazil, at the very least, you got to have athletes, you got to have people who are conditioned, fit and can field to at least close the gap in an area that can be controlled if you don't have the exposure to top quality batting and bowling. USA didn't have that. It's a different story now in 2021. And whether it's you or some of the other debutants, the teenagers, Coming from the setup that you had developmentally in Sussex and then in your first touring experience, seeing some of the players that USA has now, whether it's Aniki Kalan or Suhani Tadani or Gargi Bogli or, or your roommate on tour, Lassia Molapudi. My roommate. These teenagers, they're very exciting to watch. As somebody who's an outside observer, I can't remember seeing this at any form of cricket for the U.S., men or women. And to see this coming along all at once, it's a hugely motivational thing In terms of the development pathway and the structure, and what the future of USA cricket should be about. And seeing the way some of these players performed throughout the week, whether it was Suhani Tadani with the ball, or especially Gargi Bogoli with the bat, or Anika Kalan with the bat, some of the other players. What stands out to you about some of these teenagers, and how do they compare realistically with the players at an equivalent stage age wise in a Sussex or an England pathway?
1: Firstly, I don't think it was anything to do with me. Um, when I walked into that squad, the culture was there, I think. You know, there was that drive. There was that, that eager to learn kind of culture. I remember the first training. So I was quite ill when I first got here. So after a week of recovery, my first training session for a camp in Dallas, we'd done some scenarios. It was my first bowling session back. And after we had a little debrief and we gave some feedback and my feedback was very kind of pretty neutral. Um, didn't want to say anything too outrageous. Kind of kept it quite neutral, gave some some criticism, some bit of feedback and, and some positives, whatever. And then these girls just gave the feedback to me and to other players and it was so honest and ruthless and brutal actually. And I was like, wow, these kids are very aware. Like they were so pedantic about their own game, my game, other players. I was like, oh my gosh, I don't think I've ever been in a scenario where someone has told it straight to my face like that. Um, it was amazing. It was so refreshing you know even now players that I play with now are like oh I don't want to I don't want to say I don't want to give feedback but whether that's the US culture I don't know maybe that's an English thing a little bit too shy but I think yeah the girls have got a lot of confidence but it's you know it's not arrogance it's confidence in speaking in their own game which is something again I, I coach back in the UK and it's something which I'm trying to get girls just to have more confidence in their ability but these girls definitely aren't shy of that and it's yeah it's so refreshing to see and in that sense, that's, that's a massive difference. They're extremely mature for their age in terms of their awareness as a person, as a cricketer, what they need to work on, what their ambitions are. So when I speak to them, I really don't feel like I'm speaking to 16-year-olds. I feel like I'm speaking to you know players that are my age.
0: In terms of the things that you're exposed to and that you experience on a day-to-day basis, whether it was with the Vipers or the Brave or any other part of the professional setup, what are the biggest areas that you think some of the U.S., players whether it's male or female especially at kind of that junior 15 to 19 year old developmental stage need to work on to try and close the gap with their counterparts whether it's in England or any other destination
1: um I'd probably say it's probably nothing to do with skill-wise I think the skill will always catch up you can always coach a cricket skill um it's probably the character and attitude um it's probably a standout I want you know you want to see players with a good attitude and and a good work ethic I think for a lot of young players it's really easy to just focus on skills, but to not even look at kind of the S&C point of view, um, which is pretty normal and pretty natural. And again, I was exactly the same. I just wanted to play cricket. Why is lifting weights gonna be a big thing? Why, why do I need to run? I'm just gonna play cricket and bowl. So I guess, you know, that's something which I think is pretty common throughout a lot of kids that age. And yeah, not neglecting, unfortunately, the boring side of cricket, the, the, the tactical bit, the S&C point of view, the nutrition, and I guess just sort of that professionalism uh timekeeping and especially as a kid you're balancing schoolwork as well so if you know they can balance balance their social life their schoolwork and their cricket um I'm sure they're doing a pretty good job of it already but yeah I think that'll only really help them grow and again it's that ownership something which you know I did not expose to after being dropped from from a setup if you can find that grit and that motivation and that ownership to really take hold of your game then yeah I'm sure they'll flourish into you know unbelievable cricketers.
0: Today's episode of the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast presented by Dream Cricket is also sponsored by Moosa Cricket Stadium, the first and original turf wicket facility in the state of Texas, and now one of the premier venues for the Minor League Cricket T20 Franchise Tournament. Located at 5515 McKeever Road in Pearland, five miles off the Bailey Road exit from State Route 288 and a half hour south of downtown Houston, Musa Cricket Stadium includes fully enclosed locker rooms and change rooms plus shower facilities after a day's play, as well as outdoor nets for all your training needs. For more information, call seven. 713-534-2195. That's Moosa Cricket Stadium in Pearland, Texas. What's the number one thing that you feel you've brought to the U.S. women's setup that makes them better than they would be without you?
1: Apart from my taste in music, the team playlist has definitely improved. They'll definitely disagree with that. But I'm not sure. You know, I don't think, I think maybe my energy. For me, this is just an amazing experience. So I'm just enjoying every minute. So I hope on the pitch and off the pitch, I'm bringing a lot of energy and lightheartedness. And, you know, they're all 16, a lot of them take their cricket quite seriously. Um, So I've said to a few of them, look, you're 16 years old, you know, you're in Mexico City, just take a deep breath, relax, trust yourself. When you go and play, you'll be absolutely fine. Which is really something which, again, when I was that age, even now, I could be quite intense and and take it all quite seriously. And sometimes you need someone to say, look, just smile, just relax, enjoy it. You know, what what an opportunity. Um, So hopefully I can bring a little bit of that. Hopefully I have. You know nothing cricket-wise at all. I don't think, but just kind of being around the team. Um, hopefully, yeah, they've enjoyed that.
0: Taking a lighthearted view of things, not taking things so seriously, is something that I think is a fantastic area to point out because I've seen that a lot in junior players. They've got this almost life and death attitude towards cricket. There's that so they,
1: much pressure. They get they've so wound so much up. Pressure on themselves. Hundred yeah. percent,
0: and especially a lot of kids and their parents, they just do cricket, 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 twenty four seven going back to the point you made earlier about playing tennis growing up, I grew up in a family where in the neighborhood you played sports by season. So in the neighborhood it was in the winters we played street hockey and in the yeah, spring and summer you would play football, th- thrown around American football in the backyard. Yeah, yeah, And then in the summers you played baseball too and it, you developed a lot of skills and we played tennis too, we played tennis as I mentioned for a while growing up, but it was about fun. First off, and getting a chance to experience and play different sports and develop different skills and all the hand-eye coordination and all that. Not that we were thinking yeah, about
1: hand. Yeah, but man. having
0: fun. It was the camaraderie of playing these other team games and team sports, but also just avoiding burnout. I I could not fathom if I had to grow up and I just played one sport nonstop seven days a week 24-7. I would just get sick and tired of it. Yeah, and, yeah. And I no, see I that can agree
1: more.
0: I witness it sometimes in, in the kids in the um US academies, these private academies in the US. Where I ask the parents, boys and girls, you know, what other sports do you play? Why would we play any other sport? We're focused on cricket. No, like, I don't think that's the positive you're thinking it is.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and, and research shows that as well, you know, like, I'm using my, I'm using my degree now, um, you know, research shows playing loads of sports as a kid, it's, it's all, it all transfers, you know, and then essentially, you know, I only really played cricket that on its own at the age of maybe 13, 14. So even that, I think it's quite young, but yeah, why would you not expose yourself to all these different sports? Because those are the better athletes. Those are the better movers in the field. And you can see it as well. Um, so, yeah, no, I couldn't agree more.
0: And I see that a little bit with a player, like, in particular, such as Geetika Kadali And I know she's somebody who played a lot of tennis. I don't know if she still does, but she played a significant amount of tennis growing up. When I uh, did a podcast episode with her, she talked about, I, I played a whole lot of other sports. And I, I just gave cricket a try because I thought it was something I would just try once. I just wanted to make my dad happy for once. <laughs> playing a sport my dad would enjoy
1: too. Stuck.
0: And it's like, oh, it's stuck. I had fun with it. But she came to cricket after she had played so many other things. And it wasn't something that she was forced yeah. into. was forced into her. She did it willingly yeah. in addition to playing all these other sports. And I think that's it's an overlooked thing. It's so important. I think it's a great point you bring up. Now, the other part of this I want to segue into quick before we get to the, the favorite 11. One other question in terms of having fun, not taking things so seriously. Now, after the fact... We can look on this a little bit lighthearted. But at the time, the fifth match against Canada with the obstructing the field that wasn't called against Divya Saxena, it was no laughing matter at the time. USA wound up losing the game by seven runs. You didn't play that day. You were on the the bench. You were not feeling well. I
1: wish I was. I (laughs) wish I was playing that game.
0: So you had to sit out. You had to, and it's obviously a lot harder sitting out where you can have an impact on the field. But looking after the fact... I tweeted the video out and it's gone viral. It's got over 300,000 views. And part of it is because people just think it's so hilarious that it was given not out. Uh, so you've got like a very small percentage of people who are like indignant with outrage. How dare she do that? How dare she give it not out? What is the umpire doing? And the rest of the people think it's the funniest thing they've ever seen. So looking back now, having won the tournament and knowing that it didn't impact USA's advancement qualifications, qualification, do you see the funny side of that incident, are you, or are you and the other teammates still stewing about devious Sexine and and the nefarious actions she took to obstruct your teammates from catching yeah. the ball?
1: Yeah, gosh, yeah. Like you said, I wasn't playing that game. I was, I was really unwell, actually. But even from the sideline, I remember thinking, "Has she just ran into that?" And obviously, I was like a complete I was stood obviously completely different angle, so I didn't realize how bad it was until I saw the video um, a bit later. And yeah, like what she did was, I don't agree with. I'm not sure why I wasn't dealt with on the pitch. If I was playing, I probably would have said a few words, I'm sure. I think mostly for us, it was about, it was about trying to be respectful. I think the umpires had a conversation, but yeah, look, I, I don't agree with what happened and it probably should have been dealt with much better. Hopefully that's a learning curve, I guess, for the comp. Um, but since then, I think it has been an apology. I think as as the girls that like we won the comp, you know, it did cost us the game, but cricket works in funny ways. There could have been a different moment. It could have been something else. It could have been one of our players but I think there has been an apology. And for us, look, if that ever happens again, hopefully we deal with it in a slightly different way. Yeah, I mean, it is pretty hilarious what happened. At the time, it, it wasn't. It was probably, I'm sure, very frustrating on that pitch. But yeah, God. <laughs> hopefully that doesn't happen in bad way. Otherwise, yeah, I'm not sure what we'll do.
0: One of the things you brought up there too, the angle. So where the USA bench was, when that incident happened, you would have been at like deep backward point, kind of deep third man on an yeah. angle.
1: I remember, I was on the- is she running towards me?
0: Yeah, well, I was in the broadcast booth with Andrew Leonard at the time, and we were essentially at the cover boundary, maybe right 30, 50 yards wider than you were. And it looked a little unusual, but square on, <laughs> yes. like, it didn't seem so obvious. And it was only after the fact, and we didn't, our production TV wasn't working at the time, so we didn't get an immediate replay. Right, We okay. were not aware in the moment. About, I
1: was that actually. Yeah,
0: we, we had no idea in the moment how blatant it was. And it wasn't until day later that night or the next day that I saw footage of the video and I was like oh my god how on earth was did this happen how was how did she get away with this and it was like you know oh my god like how how was she giving that out and it was almost like this is so bizarre and then we were kind of looking at like starting to laugh like at the absurdity of not only how crazy was this that she did this but how crazy was that she got away with it
1: yeah I know, she ended up being the player of the match, I think, that game. Um, yeah, like, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't the best uh, moment for, for women's cricket or for cricket. But I think it's been dealt with now. <laughs> yeah, there was quite a lot of frustration in the group for that. Um, and I think, obviously, because we lost as well, it, it probably hurt even more. But realistically, we didn't play well that game. So regardless what happened, I don't think that impact was solely because of that. I don't think the result was solely because of that. You know, we didn't play brilliant that game anyway. But, yeah. Bizarre, very bizarre.
0: <laughs> Just when you think you've seen it all, something like that happens. <laughs> One other question before we get to the favorite eleven. Just in terms of looking forward to the qualifier in Zimbabwe and beyond for US cricket, I'm always curious to ask players in terms of goals. They said obviously it's it's a big up, uphill battle, but are you somebody who sets personal goals in terms of wickets and runs and things to motivate you in terms of how you want to perform? over and above obviously the team goal is we want to win every game we want to go out there and win but some players set these targets to kind of motivate themselves to achieve things that will in the bigger picture benefit the team aside from themselves personally and other players they just go out and they play and however they play on the days that's all they think about focusing on the next ball. how however cliche that is are you somebody who sets targets for yourself big picture as a source of motivation or are you somebody who just you're just thinking about the next ball and that's that
1: Yeah, probably a little bit of both. I love setting goals. I'm quite a big, I'm very like goal ambitious anyway, but I know if I get a little bit too caught up in the goals, sometimes I just worry about that rather than doing what I need to do for this game, for this ball, et cetera. So a little bit of both. Obviously I, you know, I want to go in as, as a senior player, as a senior bowler for the USA team. And my expectation, yeah, I do want to do well. Obviously I want to take wickets for me as well. I I want to be able to score some runs for the team as well. I didn't really do that in Mexico, um, which was very frustrating and, a goal of mine which I'd set previously um to have at least you know one one decent knock which would have been nice so yeah going into this 50 over as well I I much prefer 50 over it's much more bowler friendly my gym is always quite bowler friendly anyway <laughs> from the wicket but um yeah hopefully yeah I have got goals in mind I, I'm going to take a lot of wickets in terms of number you now I'm not worried about I must hit x amount of wickets x amount of runs x amount of catches whatever but yeah I, I'm expecting I, I have high expectations that I want to be a senior player and I want to be a key player for the team um, with the bat and the ball. So yeah, the hunger is there. It's certainly not going to be a light trip. We're going to be challenged and we're going to play against good teams, but also that's a really good opportunity for players like myself and other senior players and even younger players to step up.
0: Whether it's a short-term goal in this tournament or a long-term goal besides England, we know England is, is the overarching ambition, but if and when that comes, it may never come. It may come very soon or like I said, it may never come. In terms of short-term goal for USA and a long-term goal for USA, if you thought that far ahead, what are the things that you want to achieve at this tournament for USA and big picture in the next couple of tournaments in the next few years that you feel you can contribute to make USA achieve a a certain goal or or big picture target?
1: Yeah, I think right now, obviously, qualifying for the World Cup would be just out of this world. I don't know how realistic that is. Um, I know, again, we are going to be the underdogs. But I know if we play to at least 90% of our potential, we're going to give it a, a really good go. Um, and I think we're going to shot quite a few teams. So I guess short term, obviously, the goal is New Zealand 2022, um, 100%. And then I guess long term, I know the Olympics are coming up soon, which would be amazing if I was still involved. And I guess just trying to get that ranking, that ICC ranking, um, as high as we can and to be involved in these major tournaments. And hopefully, you know, hopefully I'll be a, a memorable player for USA. You know, I want to do a good job for this team and and leave in a good place as well. Like you said, you know, England days might never come. Who knows? I'm I'm really enjoying what I'm doing right now. So, yeah, hopefully the the imprint I make, the impact I have on USA is is really memorable. Um, so I suppose, yeah, long term, it would be to, to be a part of some amazing US journey. Not to be cliche, but, yeah, be part of some ridiculous journey with them.
0: Favorite 11 time, Tara Norris
1: okay
0: rapid fire 11 questions you know how it works so before we get to that i just want to remind everybody that the stars and stripes cricket podcast is presented by dream cricket dream cricket pavilion shop can help you fill all your cricket kit requirements from top of the line english willow bats made by all the top manufacturers as well as helmets gloves pads jerseys highlight dvds books and more get 10 percent off all orders over 400 dollars using coupon code dc usa that's dc usa go to shop.dreamcricket.com to take advantage of that offer today Dream Cricket Academy is located at 400 Apt Drive in Somerset, New Jersey, just a mile off of exit 12 on Interstate 287. For more information, call 908 938 3787 or email cricket at dreamcricket.com. Tar Norris, yes. favorite 11 time. Ready to oh, rock sorry, and roll? i just
1: want my coffee. Yeah. Don't know semi mug, by the way. It's my new souvenir
0: <laughs> Yosemite Park. Oh,
1: yeah. Didn't get to that. What's happened. Sorry, right? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's do it.
0: Your favorite roommate on any cricket tour?
1: It's got to be Sophie Dunkley for sure. She's good fun. I've roomed with her since we were probably the age of 14, 15. Various tours abroad and in the UK. So yeah, hands down. And she makes me coffee every morning. So what's not to like?
0: Your favorite way? Now you're getting to be a bit more experienced in this. You just had the long haul flight from London to San Francisco. You've you've gone to Australia. What is your favorite way to pass the time? on a 10 12 14 hour long haul flight
1: i normally just stick a film on or it depends who's next to me i could be someone's worst nightmare and chew their ear off and just chat the entire way but actually recently i um, i've got a rubik's cube and i made a bet with one of the players that they don't think i can complete it before the end of zimbabwe so actually for our next flight i'll be doing a rubik's cube for 30 hours trying to trying to figure it out and win this bet so yeah that's that's probably my new one
0: your you know, favorite city or country that you have toured for cricket?
1: Cape Town, hands down. Amazing, amazing, amazing place.
0: Why is it amazing?
1: The grounds were just beautiful. Uh, you've got Table Mountain pretty much in every background. Um, the stakes are amazing. They're cheap. The culture, the people are wonderful. The weather, the lot. I, I could be here all day.
0: Yeah, we might be going back to the well, to the previous end of this, but. I always ask this for everybody, your favorite cricket ground experience that you've had as a player or as a fan?
1: Yeah, it, it's got to be Lord's 100 final for sure. I don't think I'll ever experience anything like that. I hope I do, but I don't think I will. And yeah, the Lord's teas are famous for, I think I had like roast lamb. The teas honestly, it's like gourmet five-star dining, which is much better than a sausage roll and a slice of pizza at most clubs you'll get. <laughs> so yeah, Lord's definitely.
0: Your favorite cricketer of all time.
1: Uh male or female? That's up to you. Oh. Can I do both?
0: Go right ahead.
1: Okay, all time. Gotta be asked to Cook. Love watching him bat. He only had two shots, but he was an amazing cricketer. Left-handed as well. loved watching him bat. And just his style was really cool and brilliant captain. And female, it's got to be Charlotte Edwards.
0: Your favorite non-cricket athlete of all time.
1: I think I'm gonna sit with tennis theme and it's going to be Serena Williams. Um, mind you Emma Raducani might be might be a close second but yeah I just think she's a a phenomenal athlete
0: your favorite place to eat out on tour
1: unfortunately Mexico won't make it considering the amount of gut issues that were involved I'm shocked Um, I'm I'm shocked I right yeah probably hasn't made my top 10 actually there's a place in South Africa called there's a chain called beef boys and it's a steakhouse and it's just amazing. I think every night on tour I went to Pochestrum and we pretty much went there every night of tour. And it's just the most incredible steaks you've ever had. I don't know, probably costs about four or five pounds for a T bone the size of your head, pretty much. Yeah, beef boys, definitely.
0: I can vouch for this because when the US men went have you been? To Pajastrom, yeah. So US men went to Uganda in May twenty seventeen and before Uganda for World Curriculum Division Three, they had a warm-up tour on Podestrum. And we went to Beef Boys, and yes, so you know, you get the like what doesn't matter flaming sirloin, t bone, porthouse, whatever. Yeah, biggest, juiciest cuts for literally bargain basement prices. Beef yeah,
1: is- pennies,
0: <laughs> the supply and demand there, it's very favorable if you're into your steaks.
1: <laughs> it is, it's a great place at to all. It's a great place.
0: That would be one of my top of the list reasons for going back to South Africa, is just so I can go yeah. back to the boys, the steak. Tara, are you a Coke or a Pepsi person?
1: If I had to pick, it'd probably be like a Diet Coke, but I'm not a massive fizzy drinks person.
0: You're not into the high fructose corn syrup?
1: Yeah, no, I'm an athlete. My body's a temple. I can't be drinking that. I don't, if I had to, a, a Diet Coke or a Coke Zero. I wouldn't have a oh, full fat Coke. Coke
0: oh, products are the acceptable answer.
1: Okay, okay. Then yeah, Coke. If you
0: said Pepsi, we wouldn't get to questions 9, 10, and 11. I'd have to cut this short.
1: <laughs> okay, that's all right.
0: Your favorite pizza topping?
1: Obviously, being Italian as well, I like my pizza simple. Less is more, definitely. I'm sure you can relate. Favorite topping, a bit of rocket. Very simple pizza, but a nice splash of some fresh rocket on top is always, is always a go-to. Maybe a little bit of olive oil as well.
0: Is this a, a Mama Paola recommendation, or is this on your own? You've you've acquired this rocket?
1: Yeah, no. My mom was never a, big, never a big pizza maker, but yeah, just from going out and going to Italy. Simple as best.
0: It's kind of a follow-up nine A question. Where is the best pizza you've ever had in your life?
1: I've got to say Naples. Not to name drop, but it's got to be Naples. Just the thinnest, the best pizza. Mind you, when I went to New York, I had a, quite a good pizza, but it was nothing like a Naples pizza.
0: I have not been to Naples yet, but yes, the reputation there is almost—you've got to second to none. It would be
1: rude. It would be rude not to.
0: But I am partial. Yeah. As somebody who grew up in northern New Jersey, I, I am partial to the to the new york new jersey pizza. it's not
1: the same it's nowhere near the same
0: but but at least you go to you go to the hometown place you go to the you go to the local place i've never yeah, been okay. in my entire life in new york new jersey first time i ever went to a domino's was outside of new york new jersey you cannot find anything remotely close to being a chain restaurant in in most of new york and new jersey it's it's yeah. the mom-and-pop places 100 percent.
1: really oh wow
0: and that's something, I don't know if it's like this in Sussex, but in Manchester, it's very difficult to find a quality pizza. I won't eat pizza in the UK, essentially. I, w- I wait until I go to the US for work and family to get. Oh, pizza. Really?
1: I'll
0: go months and months. Okay,
1: but... what? London, London has some really good spots, actually, but I'm the same. I hate going out for Italian food because I'm, I'm always disappointed. But um, yeah. yeah, London's got some really good spots, actually.
0: Your favorite movie of all time?
1: Pretty Woman. It's a classic. It's really basic, but pretty woman.
0: Well, that's been always your favorite show to binge watch, whether it's Netflix, Amazon Prime, Hulu, anything else, DVD box set. Uh, when, you're, when you're in quarantine in Mexico or when, or when you're in quarantine in Zimbabwe ahead of the mashes and you've got all sorts of time to pass, what is your go-to to help get you through all those hours?
1: I'm not a massive like series binger, but right now I am watching you. So some I don't know some kind of like rom-com I don't know thriller that kind of vibe not you obviously but um yeah if I had to that's what I'm watching right now but who knows in Zimbabwe I'm normally too tired I can't even stay awake to watch something how bad is that
0: the reason why I'm laughing is because I kid you not my wife she was counting down the days until you season three dropped on Netflix she was Desperate yeah. to watch it. And so as soon as it became available, that was what we turned on my what was like, we're watching you season three. This is too good to miss.
1: <laughs> it's so good. And you know, it, it when it came out, that's when we were in quarantine. So I thought, perfect, I can just watch this. Great. All
0: right, Tara Norris. Thank you so much for coming on the Start the Stripes cricket podcast. I'll give you the final word. Anything, Tara, that you want people to know about cricket or about you and your cricket journey that they don't already know that you want to share with the world.
1: Make sure you watch the the USA Play in Zimbabwe. Hopefully it'll be an exciting tournament and we'll we'll shock a few places, a few people as well. And yeah, and please support the USA USA women's cricket and the Vipers as well. Don't forget the Vipers.
0: Don't forget the Palm Bears and the Brave.
1: Yeah, and the Palm Bears, yeah.
0: Again, for people who haven't been following the USA women's team just coming out of Mexico, as Tara has said, they're going to be competing in the women's 50-over World Cup qualifier in Zimbabwe that starts on November 21st. And USA's first match is actually... November the 23rd and that continues into the first week of December. But Taranaris, fast bowler, fast bowling all rounder. Not sure what you prefer to go as, but key member of the USA women's no,
1: all rounder sounds good.
0: All rounder, oh, you're not going to turn that down. Who would turn that down? <laughs> Left arm fast bowling all rounder, Taranaris. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much. And good luck in Zimbabwe.
1: Thank you very very much.
0: That was one of the most fun interviews I've done in the history of the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast dating back to our first episode in May of 2021. Tara is such a fun and engaging person and she's a fun personality around the USA Women's Team has helped add so much to that squad both on and off the field and she'll be competing for USA Women starting on Tuesday, November 23rd against Bangladesh in the Women's World Cup Qualifier fire usa again will also be taking on pakistan thailand and zimbabwe as they attempt to qualify for their first 50 over world cup i want to remind everybody that you can subscribe to the podcast to get each new episode as it lands by going to youtube and clicking subscribe and also or also subscribing and giving a review and a rating on apple podcasts google podcasts spotify anchor fm and many other podcasting platforms that's it for this episode i'm peter doll i want to wish everybody out there around america and any other american citizens around the world a very very happy thanksgiving i know i'm looking forward to it with my own family and i hope you all have a great thanksgiving as well god bless america and god bless american cricket